So if your body has a immune response to gluten, it can have a immune response then to your own thyroid gland. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Barrett. I'm a board certified chiropractic physician with a passion and emphasis in functional nutrition. We can't wait to add value to your health as well as the health of your family. Thanks for listening in to the Real Health Podcast. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, do me a favor. If you like this episode and you like hearing from Dr. B, share it on your Facebook, share it on your Instagram. We're really trying to get this health movement out. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to the Real Health Podcast with Dr. B. This is Lane, your host. Hope everybody is doing fantastic. And you had a chance to listen to part one of the autoimmunity talk with with Dr. B. If you have not had a chance to go back, make sure you do because the episodes will build on each other. And today we're we're going to dive into food allergies. Um, we're going to answer some questions about where they begin, and then also when food allergies can become you know something when it, autoimmunity. When can they become more serious into autoimmunity? And so with that, uh, Dr. B, anything you want to recap from episode one that we're going to segue into today's part two episode? Well, we will. We'll, we'll kind of, today we'll bridge last episode to today's episode by recapping a little bit about loss uh, immune tolerance. And when we don't have immune tolerance to our environment, what happens when now we start developing food reactions that then cause autoimmunity? So I think in this episode... We're just going to kind of help bridge the gap, but um, it all comes down to uh, intestinal permeability, right? And so that's the that's the common link. Um, so we'll we'll touch base on that here in a little bit. If uh, you haven't had a chance, just a reminder: go back and listen to part one. But before we jump into part two, let's do the get to know Doctor B portion of the, the well, show a little bit. So, all right. So, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Yeah. So I'm I'm going to say um, an introvert because. Um, even though most people who know me would think I'm an extrovert, um, I get really tired <laughs> after talking a lot. And so I just want to chill out. I want to work out by myself usually. Um, and, uh, and then I re-energize being at home by myself. So that's, those, are, those are moments that allow me to re-energize. So I would say I'm an introvert. And if there's a party and I don't really know a lot of people, you're going to find me you know, you're going to have to initiate the conversation. Yeah. I'm not usually going to initiate. So, that's interesting. Introvert. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so what was your dream job as a child? So m- most people uh, would probably not know this, but I was a gamer as a kid. Right. Uh-huh. Game. So, uh-huh. Game. Give me a game. game. Yep. So it was uh, really Halo okay. as, as I was getting into high school. And we'd link up Xboxes with an Ethernet cord and play on two separate TVs. I was a PlayStation guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was an Xbox. So, um, man, so, you know, computer science, that, that's actually where I was going to school, computer engineer. And then, <clears throat> hence the introvert, I guess. <laughs> it's just about a computer. It's um, all so, coming together. Oh, man, I'm so happy I'm not doing that. Um, and then, senior in high school, life was changed by a chiropractor. So, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, here we are today. Mm hmm. Last question. If you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? Yeah, so um, so it's, you know, again, tough question. <laughs> um, so so the immediate thought is I want to pay, pay off all my debt, right? Just be mm-hmm. debt-free. 
house, uh, have some have have some finances in in uh, provisionally savings, whatever. But probably something I haven't communicated, maybe with you or many people, is I have a vision hmm. for a health factory retreat. So health factory retreat would be a uh, a nonprofit organization where we 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 purchase a large amount of clean land, um, have a have a uh, center lodge with a bunch of tiny cabins. And we have people come in who are sick, and then we walk them on a journey to restoration of health. So maybe they were just diagnosed with cancer or autoimmune condition or Lyme disease, whatever it is, and, uh, and they can stay there on the retreat center, whether it's a week, a month, a year, and we can uh, cook for them, serve them, love them, wow. and it's, uh, it's just a way for people to heal. So that's mm-hmm. the vision. So I would immediately um, start that process. Well, you didn't realize you'd... Uh... Tell everyone your vision with that question. It's See, out there now. That's right. It's going to happen. I, I know it is. It's, it's just a matter of time. Man, that is that is amazing. It really is. That's just a testament to your willingness and, and giving back to this community. That is, that's really cool. My wife had a vision when we got married that she saw her. She had a dream um, that she saw herself. Uh, she's like, hey, I think we're going to have a bed and breakfast. And I'm like, well, let's. Let's let's talk about that a little bit more, and uh, and really through that it evolved into it's not a bed and breakfast, it's a it's a uh, health factory, it's a wellness retreat center, mm-hmm. um, where but she saw herself in the dream vividly serving people, you know, changing their sheets and everything like that. And that's that's our heart is to be able to um, help people on their journey to health, but uh, serve the people that are sickest and give them a place to truly heal. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I, it. I just saw her while I was walking in, and I meant to ask her if I could get a couple dozen of those cookies that we spoke about on Come the previous on. episode. Those chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> man, they're so good. So part two of the episode today, you know, why food allergies, um, why they're so prevalent, and and when they turn into autoimmunity. So real quick, I'm going to read something that I found um, online, and it is from foodallergy.org. So, um, you know, I'm sure this is, um, they've done, done some studies on this. So there are 15 million Americans have food allergies that can cause a serious medical condition. Um, here are the eight common foods that I'm sure most of everyone is aware of, but just to recap, milk, eggs, peanut, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and shellfish. And this, this statistic, uh, Dr. B, it, I mean, this is, this is very it's crazy to think about. It now affects one in 13 children. Wow. One in 13 children. And the disease is becoming more common with childhood prevalence. Is That's 50% from 1997 to 2011. So that's almost 10 years ago, some of that data. So like, I'm sure it's even higher than that. It is, man. It is. And uh, it's also one part of the immune system. You know, there's multiple... Uh, parts of the immune system that react to foods, in, in a sense, they create they create different reactions. So there's IgE, IgG, food responses, food sensitivities. So you're, you know they're probably just talking about food uh, IgE responses, which are the most common. And that's you know just to recap real quick, that's I grew up with food allergies my entire life, severe peanut allergies, shellfish allergies, and I believe through my diet, nutrition, and kind of my lifestyle, I believe I overcame that, and now I mm. enjoy just about anything I eat anything and so I if you're a parent on here if you're someone on here that has food allergies let me just say I understand it is very difficult and you know I would be the one that would go to a restaurant and you ask 
what do you fry your foods in? Can you please make sure that you do not have cross-contamination? And so I just, I understand. I understand it. And I hope by listening to today's podcast, you know, Dr. B can shed some light on where, maybe where they came from. You know, are there things that we can do to help um, minimize them? That's kind of what I hope we can get out of today's episode. So with that, you know, where, how do we develop them? Like, how do we develop food allergies? Well, it's, uh, it has to go through a stage process. And um, the, first, the first step is going to be a breakdown of intestinal lining. So that we would just consider this really diet and environmental factors start to create inflammation within, within the gut. And through that, whether it be multiple antibiotics or medications, chemicals uh, with our food or lack of soil-based organisms or fermented organisms, lack of probiotics, sooner or later, our digestive system is unable to break down food properly. So we just don't digest. And then uh, we don't clear out what our body doesn't need. So what happens is over time, food um, starts to become the proteins in it when they get broken down, they don't get fully broken down. They start passing through our intestinal barrier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And this is really important because then um, the food isn't broken down properly. So the bacteria within our gut start to feed off of these, um, we'll just say undigested food particles and actually start to release toxins. And these toxins, um, liposaccharides. Okay. So these toxins start to create inflammation within the digestive lining, which further enhance intestinal permeability leading to further undigested proteins that get into the gut lymph system that then go into our circulatory system. So we have a diet environmental factors that lead to intestinal permeability and gut microbiome changes. And then step three is once those three changes start to happen, we start to leak more proteins into the circulatory system that are undigested. And it also our gut starts feeding off of these undigested food antigens that starts creating creating systemic inflammation walk me through just real quick someone that is highly allergic to peanuts let's say it was me 15 years ago i ingest a peanut what happens it goes in it what does it do well so we would call that an ige allergy okay okay so it's so it's a little bit different than what would we'd also call an IgG food allergy. So an IgE food allergy is a very excessive uh, allergenic response to food, like if you were allergic to bees and you got a bee sting and, mm-hmm. and it swells everything up and you're about to die. So that is um, just an excessive immune response, usually brought on by environmental factors like vaccines. Okay, and, and, and we see a lot of egg reactions, high egg reactions, peanut reactions, because those are used as mediums within vaccines. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see that as being um, co- correlated. But that, that really, all that is, um, is a very excessive immune response. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're just creating this heightened mast cell, B cell formation of histamine, releasing that, and then it's creating a lot of swelling. Um, so that's a part of the immune system. There's another part though, that is an IgE and this is going to affect more people. Okay. Okay. So maybe one in 13 has the IgE response. You know that, you know, it's peanuts or it's, uh, eggs or whatever, and it creates the anaphylactic reaction. 
most people know that. Most the other twelve out of thirteen, yeah. they don't know probably what's called an IgE food reaction, which is they consume a food mm-hmm. and it's undigested. The proteins leak into the bloodstream circulatory system, and then they create f- uh, a, a reaction, an inflammation response over the course of two, three, four, five days. Mm. And then that's what really can create um, subclinical food allergy systemic issues. Okay, so eczema, for instance, is a perfect example. That's what I was going to ask. Asthma is a great allergies. Okay, okay? Um, so um, and then as we age, autoimmunity. Mm. That's the link. That's the link. Got it. Okay. Um, So what happens is. The IgG food reactions that typically take place, the food sensitivities, um, when those proteins release into the circulatory system, they they usually have um, a place where they reside, a certain tissue in the body that they that they kind of latch onto. Well, every single food has a protein structure, okay, and so that protein structure. That's why you know, for instance, okay, you got a peanut allergy Correct. but you could have peanut oil because the oil isn't it doesn't have any protein in it so you're not going to react to peanut oil i was so scared i didn't even have peanut oil wow yeah so yeah. you could go to so people who have anaphylactic reactions to peanuts can actually eat at chick-fil-a that i was they so use scared it's so oil. interesting oh, no. yeah right yeah i was and it is it's scary especially if you don't know mm, right correct. if you don't have a doctor really educating you on the cause and what's going on in your body and what you can and can't have and what you need to be mindful of. But yeah, it's scary, man. We kid goes to emergency room needing shots and think they're going to die. Right. So I had the same response as an asthmatic child. Um, so when you have those proteins, let's just say you eat gluten. Okay. Gluten protein has an amino acid sequence. So those amino acids, when that's broken down, that sequence of amino acids, well, every every food mimics a tissue in the body. Okay, so gluten, technically, okay. gluten, the protein structure, of gluten, molecularly, or we call it molecularly mimicry, it mimics the thyroid gland. Okay. So if your body has a immune response to gluten, it can have a immune response then to your own thyroid gland. Wow. So here's here's. Here's where it all kind of comes together. Okay. People who have like Hashimoto's thyroiditis or Graves' disease or thyroid problems, a lot of times they'll read literature and says, "Hey, stay off gluten." Mm-hmm. Why? Because of cross reactivity. Mm-hmm. When your immune system over time becomes compromised, and we lose tolerance and we become reactive to proteins and food, for instance, gluten, the immune system then starts to look for anything like gluten in the body. Mm-hmm. And your thyroid just happens to be similar in amino acid sequence to gluten. So it starts to attack the thyroid gland. Wow. All right. And so every food technically has a a potential cross reactivity to an organ in your body. And that's where food doesn't just become a food sensitivity. It then becomes a potential autoimmune trigger. Because there was an underlying problem in the beginning that's right and it goes back to gut permeability (laughs) and microbiome imbalance so if the if you have a good microbiome and you have a healthy intestinal permeability permeability barrier then you're not going to allow these leaky proteins 
to get to the circulatory system. You're going to digest them properly in the gut, mm-hmm. absorb them, assimilate them, and they'll never get to that point of getting into the circulatory system of the bloodstream. That's why food allergies can also be, IgG food response, it can be reversed. Because if you can change immunity, which happens in the gut, 80% really of the immune system is in the digestive system, and you can seal up your intestinal barrier, mm-hmm. then your reactivity to foods lessens and lessens wow. and lessens. So I've had kids come in. I've had a family that's been under my care for 12 years, ever since I've been in practice. When they came to me, antibiotics, 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 steroids, steroids, inhalers, inhalers, Claritin, Claritin. I mean, everything to continue to suppress the immune system, multiple food reactions. They were reactive to everything. EpiPen always. Oh, yeah. Okay. They are so healthy now. They haven't been on a round of antibiotics in who knows how long. They're in high school. They don't have all their old food allergies. So your immune system can just as much become defective, okay? Mm -hmm. It it can become tolerant again to to some degree. This is... I was never told that. That's what is so remarkable is I was told that I would live with a severe peanut allergy for the rest of my life. And I know there are people listening to this that have been told that. And to hear the link between how you've linked it together, I mean, that's, that's remarkable. If you, can, if you can calm the immune system down, heal the immune system, okay, remove the offending foods, right? And then once everything's reset, if you can microdose these proteins slowly back into the immune system, then you can create what we call immune tolerance again. Okay, mm-hmm. and so you got to work with a skilled practitioner to make sure that happens. Yeah, and it takes a long time for you to heal the immune system. But as you know today, you know the the reality is you can heal. Um, but I would I would say the chronic usage again of antibiotics, stress, and poor diet with the lack of soil and fermented-based organisms have led us to the crisis of food allergies, vaccinations, antibiotics, corticosteroids, okay? And then on the other side, what we should be having is bacteria, diverse diet, plants, playing in the dirt that's not sprayed with Roundup. So we should be having that, (laughs) and we shouldn't be having all of these medications, antibiotics, vaccines. And so then because those two things are flipped, it's why we have food reactions, food intolerances, food allergies, allergies, environmental allergies. And that's not just food. It's loss of immune tolerance. Your immune system, because of that transition, now is intolerant, not just of foods, but of dust and pollen and trees and all that. And it keeps going on. And that's why we just have systemic allergy issues. Yeah. Well, to that point. There's so many tests out there, food allergy tests. Um, how, do, how do parents, how do you tell the difference? What should people look for? What should they be doing if they're listening to this and they want to say, I want to, let's look into this. Yeah. So this is where the trouble starts for a lot of parents because they go to a, a let's just say a, a, an allergist, okay? And they're going to run like a back prick test and say, hey, these are all the things you're, you're potentially Been there to. and done that. Yeah. Um, or you're going to know because, you know, the kid eats a, a nut and blows up, yep. right? So oh, yeah. those are obvious. 
And it's almost like we'll just put that on the shelf because they're so easily tested just because you can see them happen so quickly. The, the harder part is testing for a delayed food reaction, an IgG reaction. And that's where um, the allergist fails. A lot of times they just don't have a good clinical understanding of food reactions that happen over a time period. So a lot of times that you're going to go with eczema to the allergist and they're like, well, nothing showed up. I hear this all the time. You have no food allergies. Here's a corticosteroid, right? And, uh, um, or here's these, we do these shots to help suppress immunity. The difference is um, when we look at food reactions, we're looking at an IgG food antibody response through a company called Cyrex Labs. Um, they're really the forefront leaders in autoimmunity as well as food antibody formation. So they look at what's great as cooked food and raw food. There's a difference. Um, and so let's just say the allergist just looks at one area, right? Just raw. Well, when you cook, proteins change structure. When they're heated, the amino acids change. Eggs are a perfect example. What happens to the clear egg when it's heated? What color does it turn? White. Well, the white is because the protein changes its structure, okay? Mm -hmm. So when we cook foods, we can actually become reactive to a cooked food, like for instance, rice, mm -hmm. okay? We can be reactive to cooked rice, but non-reactive to uncooked rice protein. Remarkable. Crazy, right? So we have to look at cooked and uncooked, and we have to look at um, the IgG food system. So that's where working with functional nutrition, functional medicine practitioners is really going to be helpful. It's, it's not pointless to do like the online allergy food sensitivity reports, but you really want to help work with someone to dive in and look at that antibody formation. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's so many people out there living with food allergies. I mean, I can't imagine, I, I can say for myself, I would have known this back then. It would have been, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it as soon as possible. And, you know, here's a, uh, here's a good solution, too. If you're listening to this podcast and you are like, hey, I, I just don't have anyone in my area. Mm -hmm. um, well, one, you can always call the office. We can connect with you. But two, uh, elimination-based diet is, is, is great. So you jump on like a, a Whole30 um, plus removing the big autoimmune triggers or an AI, paleo AI or paleo autoimmune program or um, a, you could just type in elimination diet. And you start off with kind of some bare bone foods that are really known to not be super reactive. And then you start adding foods back in every few days to see your response. So maybe you get a brain fog, maybe you get a headache, maybe you get joint pain. Well, those are all indicators that that food is probably having a reaction with your body. So you can do it on your own mm -hmm. without testing, but testing is just so much more effective. Because again, elimination diets, a lot of times you're consuming rice and chicken in the beginning, yet those can be reactive to the body. You think we can correct them? Yeah. Food allergies? Mm -hmm. We can. Um, because I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. So it just, it goes, and I've lived it, I guess. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And it just goes back to, um, time, mm -hmm. consistency and healing the gut. It, 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 that is, that is the big piece of it. We've got to heal the digestive system. We've got to heal that, that barrier so that we're not leaking those proteins into the circulatory system, creating that cross reactivity. Any other nuggets you want to share when it comes to food allergies and the link to, autoimmunity that you know we may have not covered so far 
Um, yeah, I, I would say um, if you are dealing with autoimmunity, immediately I'm going to tell you today, get off gluten, get off dairy, okay? Those are two big offenders. And, you're, and, and a response I hear all the time is, well, I don't feel much different. Well, you have to give it time for your immune system to heal and your inflammation levels to come down. But I promise you, there's not one autoimmune patient I've worked with that I've said, hey, yeah, I think you're good to stay on gluten. I've never said that. Every test I've ever run, I've always said, hey, off gluten, off dairy. Those are big protein structures that are hard to digest. So my big ones are going to be gluten, um, dairy, casein, and then we start getting into soy, corn, and then we can start getting into some nuts and seeds. But those are the those are, I would say those are the big two. Immediately start pulling yourself off. If you have chronic allergies, chronic immune deficiency, you're compromised or autoimmunity already, or your kid is just struggling, get them off gluten and get them off dairy ASAP. Yeah, that's man, that's so good. If you do that, step one, remove, and then step two, replace. So we got to replace microbiome. So then that's when we start getting into probiotics. And we want, you know, we talked about that on the last episode. We need diverse probiotics, so a lot of quantity and a lot of diversity. So soil-based probiotics or spore-based probiotics and fermented-based probiotics. You need both and start adding those bacteria back into the digestive system to start regulating that immune system. And usually just those two things can help so much. So good. You know, I, hearing the link between autoimmunity and food allergies, I've learned so much in just what, 25 minutes. And this is, this is, this is exactly what people need to hear. Um, so ending today, part two, anything, part three, you want to give us a little bit of a, um, sneak peek that the listeners can look forward to? Yeah. Anytime I deal with autoimmunity, there's always two panels I run food reactions and pathogens. Okay. So just as much Here's what's crazy. Just as much as gluten can cross-react with thyroid, okay, Epstein-Barr can cross-react with the brain or mold can cross-react with certain tissue within the brain. Um, mycoplasma can cross-react to joints and cause rheumatoid arthritis. So if you've been diagnosed with a autoimmune condition, then a lot of times if you haven't done a pathogen assessment, mm-hmm then you're missing out on a huge link to the cause of your autoimmunity. So we're going to talk through that next week. Wow. Part three, watch out for that. This was part two. Hope you guys enjoyed it. This is the Real Health Podcast with Dr. B, and we will see you next time. Before you hit X, hold on one second. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today with Dr. B. Two things that would really help the Real Health Podcast movement. One, share it on your social media your Facebook, your Instagram, wherever you're on a social network. And two, if you go to Apple Podcast and you scroll down, give us a five-star rating and give us a review. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll see you next episode.